June 8th, 2023, we're in Masechet Besa on Daf Kaf Aleph Amud Bet. This morning's class is donated in honor of Sarah Cohen, Sophia Cohen, Marcel Cohen, Stephen and Sophia Cohen, Albert and Marcel Shami, and Gail Mishan. It's donated as well in memory of Nathan and Marlene Cohen, Jack Mishan, and Sophia Dweck. We hear in the Gemara, if you count up from where the lines get wide, counting upward, about nine lines up in the middle of the line, at the word De'amar, De'amar bi'hoshua ben Levi. The Gemara had said right before that, that this coming statement disagrees with what Rav Huna said earlier. We discussed what that meant yesterday, but here most important for us is to understand what did Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi say? Nine lines up in the, from the narrow, from the wide lines. So let's first remember a Nukhri, a non-Jew, the Halakha, as we understood it from Rabbi Yoseh HaGilili, of course following the opinion of Beit Hillel, according to his interpretation, is that a person is allowed to prepare food for themselves, lachem, but not for non-Jews on Yom Tov. On Shabbat, of course, you're not preparing any extra food, not for yourself, nor for a non-Jew. But as a result, what happens, is, since your food was cooked before Shabbat, well, you can invite a non-Jew to your meal on Shabbat. There's no fear, per se, from the rabbis that you'll be involved in cooking for them. You're not cooking at all. You know it's Shabbat. You're not allowed to be cooking. There's a gezera. Ironically, we're more stringent, says Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, when it comes to Yom Tov. When it comes to holiday, no invitation to a non-Jew. Why not? Why more stringent? We're generally more lenient on Yom Tov than on Shabbat with regards to matters of this sort. Well, it's, it's leniency in general that you're allowed to cook for yourself on Yom Tov brings forth the stringency that on Yom Tov you can't invite a non-Jew because gezera, it's a restriction, it's a barrier that the hachamim built. The fear is that you'll come to add to the cooking which you're doing for your family, legally, it's mutar for you to do so for yourself and others that are Jews, but to do it for the non-Jew would be problematic. There's a gezera sheme yarbe bishvilo. Says the Gemara, Rava Habar Yaakov Amar, afilu bishabbat name lo. Rava Habar Yaakov says, even on Shabbat, it's forbidden to invite a non-Jew to your meal. But there's no gezera. You're not going to be marbe bishvilo. Why would you? That wouldn't be prohibited. Uh, that wouldn't be something that would cross your mind. It's prohibited already to uh, cook on, on Shabbat, even for yourself. Mishum shiure kosot. He says, the reason is because of what will be left over in the cups. Again, Rashi, and I want to call attention to it briefly. Rashi says, shiure kosot shel yayin. What's left over in the cups or glasses of wine. Sheshabahen pito which you dipped your bread into. It's interesting Rashi adds those words. I was never fully understanding why he added that because ultimately speaking, we'll, we'll have to think about those words in a moment. Ultimately speaking, the issue that's going to arrive, that arises over here in the Gemara is that the wine is ne'esar The wine is forbidden to get any benefit from because of an issue of yayin of stam yenam, as we discussed yesterday, the handling of exposed wine by a non-Jew, the touching to his or her her lips is problematic, that it may have been used in a way of libation or mindful uh, consecration for libation, 
by the non-Jew. It's called nisuch, to be menasech, means to libate on the altar. We have it in our tradition. They had in theirs. It'd be a problem. That's avodah zarah. It's a, as a result, asur bahana'ah. And therefore, says uh, this uh, dissenting opinion here in the Gemara, even on Shabbat, says Rav Habar Yaakov, you're not allowed to invite the non-Jew because what will you do with the leftover glasses with that which is left over in them. Ultimately speaking, nobody finishes every last drop in the cup of wine. Even if it's just a little bit left on the sides of the cup, that wine which is left is asur bahana'ah. What are you going to do with it? You can't take it off the table, says Rashi. You're shamosh. It might not be you who's, call, who's, who's clearing off the table, but it's a Jewish butler or a Jewish person in your home who's going to be clearing it off. They can't do so. We fear that they'll do so anyway. It'll be a problem of mukseh. That's why you shouldn't invite non-Jews Rashi, on Shabbat either. Rashi, maybe he's adding the, the bread, the question I asked yesterday, maybe he's saying you can't, the only thing you can put the bread inside the course and now it takes away the mukseh. But the did he answer that question? But did he answer that question then? He did because he's saying you can't put it inside. No, but he's saying the non-Jews and Jews when would, the as they drink the wine, put wine into, put, put bread, bread into it. Maybe you're putting the bread in and thinking you, it's not going to say anymore because it's not wine. But again, maybe it is. No, Alright, I have a more practical explanation right. to why he says that. On Shabbat, you only have an issue of mukseh. There's no mukseh throughout the week. I shouldn't be touching wine. No, there's no problem touching the wine. There's a problem getting benefit from it. If there's wine that you had in your home that a non-Jew touched or handled, you're not, not allowed to touch it, you're not allowed to benefit from it. You spill it down the drain, you throw it out, that's all. And during the week, there's no problem with regards to that. You're right, you're not allowed to drink from it, you're not allowed to benefit from it. On Shabbat, we have a particular, specific issue, as Rashi articulates, to be mitaltel, it's mukseh. No, no, no. Uh, oh, that's what you're suggesting? No, but that, that'll only be relevant later on. There's no undrinkable. They, when they drank from it, Rashi says, dipped their bread into it. Oh, I'm getting there right now. Says the Gemara, Says the Gemara, if that's so, why is it only the cups of wine with the, which the non-Jews drank from that I fear about clearing off the table? Our own cups, anytime we have dishes, utensils at the table, whatever's left over on them, should be um, invalidating to the utensil itself. You shouldn't be able to move your own utensils off the table after you use them. You have leftover davar ma'us on it. As Rashi explains, you have disgusting food, leftovers on it. Nobody's going to eat from it. It's maybe even somewhat inedible. That should be mukseh. We shouldn't be able to eat on Shabbat. We shouldn't be able to invite ourselves to our table. So effectively, the ad absurdum claim of the Gemara answers the Gemara, didan hazul etarnegolin, the, our food, our leftover wine, is appropriate for chickens. Now, I'm no zoologist or farmer or anything of that sort, but maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't think that chickens drink wine. Maybe chickens peck at leftover pieces of bread that are in wine. I wonder if that's why Rashi said they dip their bread into the wine. That's right. So since there's a little bit of bread, that's why Rashi added that in in the initial stages to just give you the picture of it. It's not just wine. It's wine with a little bit of clumps of bread, of crumbs of bread in it. That you could even give to the Tarnigolim. Certainly your leftover food at the table, but even your leftover wine is permitted to clear off the table on Shabbat. We have no such issue of mukseh. That's the Gemara's suggestion. The Gemara now turns back to, well, what about the Nochri? The Nochri as well 
well, the non-Jew, when he drank from his wine, couldn't you use the leftover wine and pieces of bread in and give that to the Tarnagolim? You just permitted, when I challenged you, a Jewish person to eat and drink on Shabbat with utensils, even though there'll be leftover. Oh, the reason is because I could give it to the Tarnigolin. Couldn't you do that with the non-Jews as well? As well, didhu means theirs, meaning the, the drinks, the cups of the Nochrim. Name also hazu are appropriate, are raui le Tarnigolin. Answers the Gemara. Didhu asire isure hana'aninhu. Period. Uh, answers the Gemara. Their leftover wine, although indeed... Technically speaking, outside of the halakha perspective, could be drunk or pecked at by the Tarnigolin. It's Asur You're not allowed to get any benefit from it. If you're not allowed to get any benefit from it, you're not allowed to give it to your Tarnigolin. If you're not allowed to give it to your Tarnigolin, it's Mukseh. If it's Mukseh, you can't invite non Jews to your meal, neither on Yom Tob or even on Shabbat, argues Rav Ahabar Yaakov. That's what we're up to. We have a mahloket then in the Gemara between Rabbi Oshua ben Levi, who permits on Shabbat invitation of non-Jews and apparently is undisturbed by the leftover uh, cups and we have um, Rav Ahabar Yaakov who forbade. Now, says, isn't there, isn't there with Muxeh, I'm not so clear on Allah, but isn't there, a, me neither. isn't there an ability to move something that's Muxeh if you need the space? So then technically speaking, you can just say I need the space and my table back so you take the cup off the table. Yeah, over here since it's a basis Ledavar ha'asur. It's not a keli shem l'maktoli isur only. It's a basis ledavar ha'asur. It makes it far from simple. What do I mean by a basis ledavar ha'asur? I mean that the only item that's in it is mukseh, and this item is a receptacle effectively for mukseh. You can't be moving that. That's the suggestion. Ask the Gemara, though. But wait a second. Similar to your question, um, Jesse. Why don't we permit carrying even the cup of the Nanju, which has the leftover wine in it, which is Asur Bahana, and you're not going to give to your chicken, but you can nonetheless perhaps carry it off the table. Agav Kasa. Instead of saying, says the Gemara, you can use it, you can clear it because it's agav kasa. The cup itself is of value and of use for you on Shabbat. It's fully permitted. It's true, it has some leftover items in it. Are you going to compare that to something that's a platform for mukzeh? When you look, for argument's sake, at that cup, which has, when you look at this cup right now, and it has almost a full cup of coffee, a full, full beverage of coffee in it, you say the cup is there to serve the coffee. No question. Easy to make that claim. When I finish this coffee, there's a few droplets of coffee left in the cup. Nobody says, well, there's a cup with leftover coffee. And so there's an empty cup. The little drops, although maybe significant with regards to Isur Hanna'ah, uh, ultimately speaking, they're not actually significant, are they? We're not going to make the claim that this is any longer a utensil which is serving the purpose of housing or holding within it the beverage that's in it, the mukseh. The mukseh is batel. The mukseh is annulled. The mukseh is insignificant. That's the suggestion of the Gemara. And in truth, we have precedence for this. How so? Meet lo amar rava. Don't we have a statement similarly of rava? Not in our situation, but in a similar situation where you had a potential basis lidvan mukseh, but we permitted carrying it on Shabbat. What's the case? Meet lo amar rava metaltelin kinuna agav kitme af algav di ika ale shivre etzim. Well, let's try to understand what we're talking about over here. Kinuna Rashid, five lines down in his narrow line, says, 
It's a utensil within which you place coals. So it's a coal receptacle. It's allowed to be carried on Shabbat. Allowed to be carried on Shabbat. Why so? Agav kitme. Kitme means the, uh, the, what's it called? The um, ashes. Kitme. It says coals. Shayin utzrichim le'efrosh, says Rashi. You need the leftover ashes in it. For what? V'uchan me'erev Shabbat le'chasot rok or so'ah. And once upon a time, people used to spit a lot, and they, uh, babies would uh, relieve themselves or animals on the floor in your home, which was made out of dirt. What would you do in such a circumstance? Oftentimes, you would cover it with ashes, uh, which means to say, again, let's just understand this. Here's my receptacle for coals. The coals themselves are completely mukseh. Not only that, when the next words in the Gemara, Rashi, delahazu. Uh, they're not appropriate. Uh, what what uh, th- those words mean, shivre'etzi uh, means in order to make the coals, you have uh, twigs and you have broken branches inside of this utensil as well. Those are certainly mukseh. The only thing those items would be used for is to burn, which is asur on Shabbat. That's mukseh, no question. But the fact that I have some twigs and some branches left over in here, but fundamentally and primarily my kinuna is filled with Ashes, which will be used to cover purposefully and in a permitted mutar way on Shabbat, something that's dirty on the floor, the spit or the excrement, that permits this kinuna, this receptacle, to be carried on Shabbat. Nobody looks at this kinuna any longer and says, oh, that's a platform, that's something that's holding a devar ha'isur. It has something asur in it, it has those leftover twigs and branches inside of it, but fundamentally and primarily I look at this and I say, oh, that's filled with ashes. And the ashes are permitted on Shabbat. But there's something else that doesn't invalidate it. That's the suggestion of the Gemara to chow. Do you take out the twigs and the coals and move ashes, or you You can take the whole item together and spill out the ashes as necessary. No, but 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 not our issue over here. Our issue is just about carrying it. The truth is, there is a difference. Right. Tosafot gets a little jammed up on the difference. It gets a little bit technical, not really for our purposes right now, but I will point out already there is a difference. I'll tell you the difference. In the case of the coals, well, I have ashes which are useful. In the case of the wine, there's nothing useful there. Alternatively, though, points out Tosafot, you have something, you have a difficulty, you have a deficiency in the, in the utensil itself by the coals as opposed to by the wine. By the coals, the whole item is, at its onset, looked at what's called Kelish Isur. It's a utensil whose purpose, and ve- it's a vehicle for Isur. That's a Mukseh problem. A cup of wine is not a Kelish Isur. No, the leftover wine is, prob- is the problem. The breadcrumbs, I'm saying, is just an excuse to explain why we're giving it to the chickens. And by that being the case, that's the challenge then of the Gemara. Again, the technicalities of basis, beginning tosafot. There's an opinion of Rabbeinu Tam. There's another, not here, well-known opinion of Rabbeinu Tam, which we actually will encounter again in Beitzah, and maybe we'll develop basis then a little bit uh, at, a, at a greater length. But for our purposes right now, the Gemara then is challenging. Says the Gemara, you're telling me the problem in our circumstance is, that the leftover wine in this cup invalidates the cup and makes the cup a basis. You can't carry that off the table. Even on Shabbat, 
and as a result, you shouldn't be able to invite non-Jews to a meal on Shabbat. But wait a second, why is that any different than this receptacle which is being used for coals, which we permit, because the ashes are usable on Shabbat. It's true, it has muksa in it, but we say it's not primarily used for the muksa. It's not the definition of the item. Answers the Gemara Hatam, Lav Isure Hana Aninhu. Answers the Gemara, did you forget? This case is a lot more severe than any other case. Our situation, the leftover wine, is not just quote-unquote mukseh. It's unusable anyway, in any fashion, not on Shabbat, not after Shabbat. That gives it a certain severity. No, but it's just a few droplets. It's a few droplets of poison. I look at poison, I don't say that's batel in the side, that's poisonous. You say to me, so I have a few twigs in here, but primarily it's made up of ashes. Oh, that's ashes. Yeah, there's a few twigs. You say to me, what's left over in this cup? Isureha na'ah? Oh, that never becomes batel in our eyes. That becomes a matter which in our eyes is so significant, it's going to say that the utensil is serving it throughout. There's no bitul on that at all. Question? I don't... No, the non-Jews. No, oh, that's what you're saying. No, but Rashi is just painting the scene for us. He says it's wine, which is... Uh, so you're trying to do... Oh, you're trying to say that... Oh, no, but if it's Isureha Na'ah, you're not going to be able to afterwards be using it in such a fashion. No, it's for our own... In other words, maybe you'd not ask a question, you'd add to the Gemara then. The Gemara says you could then use the wine to give to the Tanigoli, and you say, I could also use it for myself to dip bread into... If that's the case, and they would do that with used wine, okay. And the Gemara says Tanigolin. I don't know if that's why Rashi tells you that, because the Gemara doesn't ultimately say that. I just I was only bothered by why does Rashi add that detail when the Gemara doesn't return to it. I'm suggesting it's because you know he's wondering, as was I, unless I'm totally off on this, how the Tanigolin are at all going to be eating it. Anyway, that means the Gemara then is it has a conclusion on this matter, and ultimately speaking, Mahlokin. Now everybody agrees there's a gezerah on Yom Tov, you're not allowed to be mizamenet anukhri. That everyone agrees, maybe you'll add to the cooking, or you want to prevent and avoid that. When it comes to Shabbat, we have a mahloket. On the one hand, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi says, permitted. What's the fear, he says. On the other end, of Hadar Yaakov says, what's the fear? You have leftover wine, the leftover wine from their glasses is mukseh. How do you compare that to the Jew? We explain, Tanagolin. How do you explain why it is a basis? It's a basis, it's not like the kinuna. Says the Gemara, let's wrap up this issue. Hamar le ravahami difti le ravina veleheve ki geref shel re'i. One last challenge. Why isn't the remaining wine in the cup of the non-Jew which we said is problematic, which we said is not batel, which we said in turn makes the item a basis le devar and you can't carry it off the table. Why isn't it kigeref shil re'i? We'll see this in the Gemara and Daflamidvav later on. If there is what we call geref shil re'i, literally it means excrement. Figuratively, it means anything disgusting, anything dirty, anything smelly, which is on the floor, even though technically speaking that's mukseh. You're allowed to move that on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Mukseh is from the rabbis. The rabbis say, we don't want your holiday or Shabbat to be ruined. You have in the kitchen a garbage pail filled with smelly items. You have to leave it there. It's Mukseh. No, that's not the way it works. It's Gerif Shil Re'i. 
more than once been asked this question by someone who starts learning the halachot. Someone, well, dirty diaper, amazingly, nobody ever asked that one. Everyone somehow realized you change the diaper, you can move that. But people have asked, I learned the halachot, had it twice. I remember people asking, how can I take the garbage out? Maybe I can't. I don't know, the garbage is what's called gerif shilra'i. It's true, your garbage pails. We could discuss when it's in front of your house and bring it back. I don't know if it's an issue in this neighborhood, but in the other neighborhood, they take the garbage on Friday night. I don't know about moving that back to your house. It's a problem because if you have non-Jewish neighbors, it looks like you have to figure something out over there. But if it's taking it out of your living space because it smells, because it's disgusting, that's gerif shilra'i. says the Gemara, leaving your table with with leftover cups of wine from the non-Jews. The reason you should be able to clear it off your table is because the rabbis permit taking disgusting things out of the way. They override their rule of mukseh. says, but wait a second, did you need to invite the non-Jew to the table? You invited the non-Jew. It's one thing if it's a dirty diaper or the garbage. That's regular lifestyle. That's what happens. You have to get it out of the way then. But if you created the disgusting item, not the non-Jew, but their leftover food, by inviting them, which was, un- well, that's, that's making it the chatechila, that you're not allowed to do. If it happens through living, through situation, that you have the dirty stuff in the house, in that place, you move it out. If you created it for that, ah, we draw the line over there, says the Gemara, again, the question is, the second wide line, he responds incredulously with a rhetorical question back to him. He says, are you allowed to do that? If you have it, you move it. You're not allowed to create it. By inviting the non-Jew, you're creating it. Says the Gemara, lastly, in terms of the halakha, Adbere means to lead him. Rava lemor shimuel. Sounds like he's leading him through the streets or something like that. There's a small difficulty. I, I noticed uh, some of the, one or two of the Mephashim in the back pick up on this. The generations seem to be off here. Rava is the last generation Emoraim. Shimuel is first generation Emoraim. They could not have met each other, hung out with each other, unless it's a different Mor Shemuel or a different Rava. Okay, anyway, Adbere Rava le Mor Shemuel vidarash, and he was Doresh to him as they were, as he was leading him through somewhere, a, a walk, a talk. Mizamenin et anukhri b'Shabbat, ven mizamenin et anukhri b'Yom Tov, shemei yarbe b'Shvilo. He was posek l'halakha, like the first opinion, like Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. It's permitted on Shabbat, we don't have this fear, for one reason or another, of the leftover wine in the cup. We'll discuss why we don't in a moment. And on Yom Tov, however, we have a Gezerah. Why wouldn't you on Shabbat? Isn't this a good claim? Well, the ultimate claim, the ultimate words in our Gemara were because of the Isur Hana'ah. Maybe even poison, a drop or two left over in the cup. I don't say it's a cup of poison. It's a cup which is serving the, serving the poison. I say that too is batel. Says the Gemara. Lastly, Meremar umor zutra ki hava mekalea lehu nochri biyom tov. Meremar and mor zutra, when they would, they would be visited by a non-Jew on Yom Tov, amru, you know, we have, myself included, we have this tendency of imagining that they were, as we are, secluded from their non-Jewish neighbors. Well, it's an amazing thing. It means they didn't even invite them. This wasn't per se, even for political reasons, although I wasn't there. It was a non-Jew who invited himself over, or themselves over to their house on Yom Tov. Anyway, Amrule, the response or the expression of Merimar and Morzutra to the non-Jew or non-Jews who showed up at their home on Yom Tov, they said, Ini halach detari halan mutav. If it's comfortable, if you're happy with detaricha, Litroach means to exert yourself, that which we worked hard for ourselves. Lan, beseder gamur. If you guys are okay with the food that we already prepared, 
Fadalu, please, sahtin. if you're not, you know, if you think you need more food, I'm sorry to tell you, but yater like motar, extra, extra work, on you with you in mind, we will not be preparing. God. No, they didn't invite, they invited themselves. Great points. There's another book on the table. Charles says, if the non-Jew shows up at your home without an invitation, are they really thinking in their mind that you're making them extra food? Did you really, did Meremar and Morzutra really need to express those words? And they showed up. I'm not going to make extra food. I didn't invite you. It's a sewer for me to invite you. You showed up. I could either kick you out of the house or we say my mindset, his mindset, everybody knows I'm not making him extra food. I didn't invite him after all. Harambam in Perik. Harambam in Perik. Okay. Harambam in Perik Alpha Filchot Yom Tob Yod Gimal. Following Pesach Halacha, number one, and ofinu mevashelim biyom tov kedel lahachil goyim oklavim shneemar hu levado yase lachem lachem velo lo goyim lachem velo leklavim. The Halacha biyoseh galili, not allowed to make food for an Andrew, nor for a dog on Yom Tov. Lefichach, therefore, mezamenin et hagoy b'Shabbat. He's posek lahalacha lekular biyoshua ben Levir Hava. You're allowed to invite an Andrew on Shabbat. Ve'en mezamenin oto biyom tov shemeir bebishvilo, not on Yom Tov. Last line, aval. However, if the non-Jew came on his own, you didn't invite him, he invited himself. They're allowed to eat together with you that which you already prepared. He doesn't have, and you need to tell them, but we're not going to prepare more for you. Magid Mishneh points out, this is where, where that last line in the Gemara go. He says, clearly, Harambam's assumption is that line, is that halakha, it's just a story. The story was, they said, by the way, you should know, we're not making extra food, but not that you need to. Magid Mishneh, however, writes that Rashba, uh, that's Rabbi uh, Shilomo ben Adere, disagrees that he says, even in such a situation, as we heard others expressing, since the tendency of you and him will be to make him extra food, you should, should and you do need to say to him as he walks in, by the way, uh, that which I have is all I'm going to have. I'm sorry, I can't prepare more for you. That's the halakha again. Ultimately, can you say that, that saying that you can't prepare more food? What's that? Like, can you say that you can't No, you can't prepare more food. Says Harambam, you're not going to, you can't invite him. He invited himself. Whatever you have, you have. So Harambam's Lashon on this matter again, Perikal Falacha Yod Gimal is lost the space here. They can eat that which you're eating because it was already prepared. You can't prepare more. Uh, no. No, you cannot invite. It's only if he came on his own. Because we have a fear. Even though you tell him that, you, invite, you invited me and you made such a comment. Oh, you must be joking. You weren't serious. All right, says the Mishnah, the next Mishnah. And this next Mishnah, for all intents and purposes, is a sister Mishnah with the Mishnah and the Gemara and that Yod Bet. Mishnah and the Gemara and that Yod You have him sit down, you either express explicitly, I'm not making you extra food, or 
You just keep quiet and you don't make him extra food. So now That's the employees, a worker, a helper, a nanny, a housekeeper, why should it? No, even though the Gemara distinguished with regards to animals, whether Mizunotana Alecha or not, that's when, that's because the animals, is the way the poskim write it, can't make the food for themselves. If he could make the food for himself, even though it's your responsibility to provide that food, you can't make it for him on Yom Tov. It says the next Mishnah, if you recall, the Mishnah and Daf Yod Bet talked about this halacha called mitoch. One word, we've had another one word thing, the ho'il. Mitoch goes as follows. The Torah says, You're allowed to make melechet ochel nefesh. You're allowed to do many of the melachot in order to produce food. How far do we extend that? Uh, people are familiar with the fact that even if you're in an area that doesn't have an eruv on Yom Tov, you could carry. Who said? Where does it say that in your Torah? What it says in my Torah is that I'm allowed to prepare necessary uh, ways to bring food. The statement of Beit is mitoch, from the fact, mitoch, from within the fact that the Torah said I could prepare food, which is for enjoyment on the day of the holiday. So too, anything that brings to my enjoyment. That includes carrying my baby out in the street. That includes carrying the Sefer Torah, if you recall the Mishnah over there detailed three such situations. That's the extensive, or, or the extension, the broad view of Bet Hillel, mitoch, mitoch, shehutra letzorech ochel nefesh, once the Torah permitted making food for your consumption and enjoyment on the holiday, hutar, it's mutar as well, shelo letzorech ochel nefesh, if it's not going to be for consumption. That is, however, with a certain line, it needs to be for your enjoyment on the holiday. It can't be for preparation for after the holiday or some other reason. Alternatively, we saw an opinion in Tosa Maybe it's if it's a mitzvah, but okay, that's what we're dealing with. Bet Shammai disagreed. Says our Mishnah, following that line of logic. Bet Shammai Omrim, Lo Yeham Adam Hamin Leraglav, Ela Imken Reuin Lishtia. What is Yeham Adam Hamin? Not Hamin as in the food that you eat, but hot water. Now you're not allowed to boil hot water to clean your feet. Unless it's reuyin nishtiya, it's capable to be drunk. You feed it dirty. Rashi, he didn't say shower yet. No mention of showers yet. Lo yeham adam hamin, Rashi, lirhot raglav. Ochil nefesh itir hakatub, the pasuk according to Bet Shammai permits only for eating. Or, or ur, but not to kindle or, or continue a fire for washing. That's the opinion of Bet Shammai. Bet Shammai says the only melachot that are permitted are in the context of food. Betilel matirin. Betilel permit. Now, here's my brief question. We'll read the beginning of Tosafot. It's a short Tosafot to address this matter. Does it, according to Bet Hillel, mean that I boiled it and I used it both for heating my feet, uh, cleaning my feet, and drinking? Is that what's necessary? Or is it alternatively just the fact that I could use it as well for drinking? Right? The words in the Mishnah seem to say, Ra'ui, Tosafot, Baram Tosafot, major ramifications. Lo dam hamin, imken re'uyin lishtia. Tosafot asks in the opposite direction. Vi'im tomar, and if you'll ask, If you recall, Bet Shammai permitted, Bet Hillel were fully permissive. 
Bet Hillel said, it doesn't need to be that you're drinking from the water, you're just heating it up for your feet. Bet Shammai said, if it's Ru'uyin Lishtiya, says Tosafot, I don't understand, why is that permitted? Me'ezetam sharu Bet Shammai, v'afilu Ru'uyin Lishtiya, halet lehum mitoch. If you recall, the concept of mitoch, that's the Gemara and Afyot Bet, is since I'm doing it for eating, I can do it for something else as well. One second. What am I doing over here? I'm doing, I'm boiling it for, I'm boiling this water to clean my feet. I could wash my, I could drink this water, but I'm not drinking this water. The statement of Bet Shammai back on Daf Yod Bet was very narrow, but very defined. The only thing you're allowed to do melacha for on Yom Tov is eating. There's no expansive thought. Bet Hillel says, no, if it's permitted for eating, it's permitted for other things as well. Bet, Bet Shammai never said such a thing. As a result, questions to Safot, where do you, how do you extend this over here? Well, if the water is appropriate and could be used for drinking, but it's not, are you going to drink from it? You're not. So Tosafot therefore asks, how are Bet Shammai permitting? Tosafot says, according to Bet Shammai, the only way the water would be permitted is a ribui I'm fundamentally doing it in order to drink from it. I can add more in. We saw that on Daf Yodzain, Memale, you're allowed to add more in. Ribui b'shi'urim. We're not going to continue the Tosafot right now, but I will tell you, Parenthetically, there's a major question in this Tosafot, it gets addressed in Tosafot elsewhere. What's the interplay, and, and I'm not going to fully develop this together, unless that's absolutely necessary. What's the interplay between this concept of mitoch and the other one word, key uh, line, ho'il. We've seen this word ho'il in recent days. Since, since guests might come, therefore it's permitted to cook the food from the Torah for tomorrow. Well, what about ho'il? Where do you come? Why, why don't we have ho'il? Even though Tosafot says, according to Bet Shammai, you don't have mitoch. Mitoch means I don't extend, I don't broaden my vision of what's permitted. I should have ho'il. The statement is mitoch is even. So it might be that Tosafot is suggesting, although we, they'll run into problems elsewhere, that if you don't have mitoch, you also don't have ho'il. Okay, anyway, let's conclude this Mishnah. Last line in the Mishnah, which is hard to understand, says the Mishnah, Ose Adam Madora, you're allowed to start a fire of some sort, Umithamem Kenegda, in order to uh, warm yourself, get yourself hot, Kenegda, parallel to it. Whose opinion is that following? Is that only according to Beit Hillel? If it's only according to Beit Hillel, that's simple. Even according to Bet Shammai, how do you rationalize that? Bet Shammai just told me I'm not allowed to prepare the water unless I'm going to drink from it. According to Tosafot's understanding, or at the very least, unless I have the ability to drink from it, we're not going to be Tosafot people for, for the moment. But who said you're allowed to start the fire just to warm yourself, Kenegdo? We said that you need to be washing your feet with it. Uh, uh, excuse me, we said earlier that you're going to permit washing your feet only, according to Bet Shammai, if you'd have the ability to drink from it. What's the ability to drink from it over here? So it sounds like it's only Bet Hillel. Says the Gemara in the beginning question, the question is, Hi Medura Man Katanela. Who wrote these words of Madura? Whose opinion is that at the end of the Mishnah? Is it even according to Bet Shammai? Both Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai. How could you rationalize? How could Bet Shammai permit starting the fire in order to get warm? And maybe Bet Shammai draw 
law distinction when it's to just clean your feet, just clean your hands, that's prohibited. If it's for your whole body to be warmed up, ooh, there we say it's permitted. There, it's almost like eating. That's like ochel nefesh. Maybe that's the logic. Or maybe betilel katanela. Maybe this is only following the opinion of betilel. The reason you're allowed to start the fire in order to warm yourself is because betilel, who have the opinion of mitoch, aval bet shamai, lashan elehu, but bet shamai would not distinguish between just every had one limb or your whole body. Tashema, we have a conclusive and clear evidence from this beraita, bet shamai omrim, lo yaase adam madora vithamem kenegdao, betilel matirim. It's clear from this beraita that the opinion of bet shamai is to be a hardliner in this context. When it comes to starting the fire, even to warm yourself, asur, there's no mitoch, betilel alternatively permit. As Jesse said, this is the beginning and a large part of the conversation with regards to showers on Yom Tov, which we'll hopefully return to tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen, ma'am.